2: Hello, friends. It's Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow. We're coming to you on Wednesday night, March 9th. The Dallas Mavericks just got pantsed by the New York Knicks at home 107 to 77.
3: How are you? I'm doing good. I'm a little mad that this result had to happen because, honestly, I was thinking, you know, before they got uh, embarrassed in this game, I was thinking, well, this is going to be a sleepy win that we're probably not going to have much to talk about. Maybe Mm -hmm. we could like follow up on our Mark Cuban interview. Which we we are going to do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But now we need to talk. I mean, we have to talk a lot about, I mean, I don't know how much you want to talk about this game, but we have to talk about this game because good grief. I want to
2: talk about the game in isolation because as a team, the Mavericks are allowed to have a bad game. Yep. They haven't had many bad games. And when you look at the box score, kind of an aggregate, they shot 31% from the floor. They shot 14% from three. And they shot 68% from the line and got out-rebounded at least, let me look at the team stats, because the team stats are a little bit different. Um, they got out-rebounded 55-37. <laughs> and so there really was not a chance for them to win. They came out flat. The Knicks are a big team sort of like across the board they just play large players and you know it was very obvious to me from the opening tip like Mitchell Robinson is a bigger version of Dwight in in terms of what he does and that means Dwight as a result is kind of useless because he's getting out Dwighted by taller bigger Dwight that might not be fair to Robinson that might not be fair to Dwight I don't really care but it was, it was evident from the opening tip that the Mavericks kind of didn't have it. And they did get it going a little bit. And the referees sort of kicked them in the, in the shins at just enough. I mean, the refs aren't why they, the Mavericks lost the game. But the refs definitely derailed a bunch of stuff. And there was some questionable coaching decisions. I mean, it's just like a total team loss that I'm not really super bothered by.
3: I'm surprised you're not bothered by it more for two reasons one obviously they were due for a bad game uh just and especially since they were kind of flying close to the sun with getting down by 21 to the warriors getting down by 19 to the Kings, you know getting down seven in the fourth quarter of the lakers like you know they probably avoided you know they won some games they should have lost and you know so eventually the schedule comes around and you have a bad game that you can't uh make a massive historic comeback out of it it's just right how, how it works
2: and i think I, that's actually why i'm not mad because yeah. it's like they'd been they'd been asking for it what's <laughs> 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 the way they've been playing yeah
3: i think what i tweeted it uh i shared in our slack earlier i think the part that i'm surprised thats isn't ma- isn't making you mad is the fact that they've now only lost eight times since the calendar flipped to 2022 uh Basically, they've only lost eight times since they had that heartbreaking uh, buzzer beating loss to the Kings on December 29th. It dropped into 16 and 18. Um, Since that game, they've now only lost eight times, but four of them have been to the Knicks twice, uh, the Thunder and uh, the Magic. And it's just like that part of it is like so frustrating because you can't in the aggregate macro view, you cannot argue with how the mavericks have played since that kings loss like they've they've been as good as you can hope for and there's it's really hard to poke holes in a team that goes i don't know what it is like 24 and 8 or 25 and 8 whatever their record's been since that that really bad loss but at the same time it's like when the standings are so close in the west every game it just is magnified a little bit more and the mavericks are are scratching and clawing to get out of this 5 seed and try to get the 4th seed Try to avoid Denver from from passing them because Denver just doesn't keep. It, Denver isn't losing either, and the fact that eight of your four of your eight losses in the last two months have been to just absolute dog water teams is just like man, like it could have been a little bit more. And that's like just from a fan perspective, it's a disappointing feeling looking at it that way. But I understand your point of view, and I mean I see this too. Like my the rational part of my brain is like. Hey, they were due for a loss. They just won five in a row. You know, they've all, you know, like for all the reasons you mentioned. And maybe the extra nut kick of this game is that it's once again another game where, you know, I'm just getting playoff PTSD because Luca has 31 and no one else does anything. 100%.
2: And, you know, the other thing I'm thinking about, and I've been thinking about this, you know, all day long. I've gotten messages and tweets and texts and emails from people about our kind of our discussion last night from our Q and just a lot of communication and most of it pretty good, but I've been really thinking about the season as a whole. And one of the things you and I took heat on earlier in the year is we were looking at the way the Mavericks were playing. So they were scraping out some wins and their their kind of win expectation based off their point differential was that they should have lost like three or four more games out of their first 20. And they just didn't. Um, now, with where they are now, I, I sort of feel that, that like losses like this or things like that, you know, it's like like things even out over the course of the year. You know, you find out who a team really is. And we at that point in the season, we had sort of hoped for the playoffs. You know, they were four. They were what, what was 16 and 18 at one point. And, you know, right before and before Christmas, you had kind of advocated. All right. Like, we really need to think about scrapping this experiment. It's not working. It's just not working. And it wasn't working like anybody loves to rub that in your face. Like it it wasn't then it did, because, you know, sometimes as as Cuban mentioned last night, you just need time and you need trust and you need, you know, Luca to get in shape and play. Awesome. Um, This loss where I get frustrated and this is where I would like to kind of delve into specifics is it's really remarkable to me. You know, we we just talked a couple of games ago about how. The Mavericks have just enough depth in the right places to be able to deal with subpar performances from certain people who last year they needed every ounce of of game from in order to win. But tonight was a game where every single player sucked. It, it just every single one stank, and I don't really know who I would like to talk about first. Do you have any any real any any uh, yeah. inclination?
3: I don't know. They're they're kind of congealing into one giant disappointing block uh,
2: i mean I'll, then i'll then i'll pick um this this was this was the jalen brunson like some of all fears game eight points on three of 12 shooting zero five from three five rebounds zero assists he only did have one turnover which is something but length of the knicks absolutely made him useless and he has had some very good games Uh, recently and he has had some very good he's had some unbelievable games this season but he has gone on a little bit um he 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 took a rest because of a foot contusion is this why he he missed the game because of said foot contusion or is this you know it's it's this was just not a good game for him and I believe he'll bounce back but the Mavericks can deal with a subpar game from him but this was a like this was a huge clunker like eight points on 12 shots is very bad um and and you know I say that because people have been kind of asking me you know is Brunson expendable and I don't think he is I just don't he's they can suffer him playing not great but he still needs to be functional
3: yeah and I mean (laughs) he's not expendable in the sense that like you don't you can't like he's already proven you cannot lose him for nothing like that would be just a giant disaster i know we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves talking more than just this game but like you know the mavericks have to give him give him his money or do us like sign and trade they cannot just be like well you know see you later have fun in detroit like they just can't like that would be one of the biggest fail like roster building failures this organization has made in a long time no matter how bad he plays in the playoffs or whatever like it's just I hate talking like this, but just like asset management, it would just be dumb uh, if they lost him for nothing in free agency. Um, But yeah, this is just like, I mean, I don't know what else to say. You know, you kind of, you know, he struggles against big, bigger, longer defenders. He did take five threes, which is nice. And he has been taking a little bit more three pointers per game uh, since he's returned from the all-star break um he still passes up maybe one or two that i that that still irked me a little bit and in the sacramento and warriors wins that he played you know he only had five total so there's still some work to be done there in terms of him being more consistent uh volume three-point shooter but yeah this was just you know he just had nothing working and the knicks are like a really weird roster uh in that you know not all of their perimeter guys are necessarily high quality defenders you know like evan fournier alex burke Uh, you know, even Julius Randle at times, but all of them are, like you said, like everybody they played was like six, four, like Burks was the shortest guy they played. And he's like, what? Six, four, six, five. Yeah. Uh, They just play a lot of six, five to six, eight guys. Kind of like what the Mavericks have been doing, honestly. And, and, and and really the Mavericks kind of frustrated the Knicks too. The Knicks did not have a great offensive game. I mean, the first quarter was amazing and they, they kind of did nothing in the second half. Uh, So the Mavericks defense responded in the second half. They just, they had three quarters under 20 points, Uh, and it's just not going to get it done. And, and, you know, if Brunson's not good, that puts a lot of pressure on Dinwiddie to kind of be the superhero, and he wasn't a superhero tonight. I mean, Although he did, get- he did get to the line eight times, which was nice, mm-hmm. and he kind of displayed, like, this was probably his worst game. This was his worst game since the All-Star break, uh, after the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he was still able to get, like, 13 points on eight shots and get to the line eight times kind of shows, like, Okay, he has kind of something that that no other guy besides Luca has, and that he can kind of manufacture his way to points because of his skill set and his size. But, um, man, I'm just looking at the box score. And it well, is I mean, really there, there's no weak.
2: assists between the two players we've talked about. Now, that's primarily because no, no. man could hit a shot. But <laughs> that it's, might have it's to, kind of wild to look at.
3: Yeah, that might have to do with the fact that Reggie Bullock and uh, Maxi Kleba combined to play. I'm looking at this, right? 57 minutes, and they win a combined 0 of 15 from the floor.
2: Well, I want to talk about Uh, Maxi last. Bullock's the next guy that I want to talk about who he has suffered a very, I want to say he's 7 of 37 in March from distance. And he missed two technical foul free throws. It was just a comedy of errors watching him play. His shots were wide open, and they just didn't go down. And I have nothing more to add to that other than the fact that I trust him over the long run, but whatever it it was, it was just very much a um, quicksand kind of situation. You could see him getting tighter with every mess.
3: Yeah. And the last, you know, January and February, I think he was like combined for those two months, he was like 43 or 44% from three. So we, we've seen it from him. He just kind of has to get back on track. uh, And at least, you know, in the two golden state wins, he wasn't great shooting total. Uh, His points were pretty good, but I mean, he shot four one game uh, and four of eight in the other, but like his defense on Steph was great. And I think his defense has been pretty good even in March when his shot has been struggling. So at least like he's still giving them something. Um, But yeah, I mean, he's, he's kind of got some, he's got some weird fun going on with his shot right now. Cause like you said, I mean, He's not the kind of guy, like, he's not a, you know, when Tim Hardaway Jr., before he got hurt and he was struggling, we could, you know, he was definitely missing good looks, but we could also attribute some of his struggles to, like, oh, he's well, he's taking bad shots, and he's he's doing the some of the bad habits that he picked up, you know, before he came to Dallas. With Bullock, like, he's not doing anything wrong, like, on offense necessarily. Like, he just, he's getting great looks. He's not taking bad shots. Like, every shot I see him take, I'm like, thank you. Like, good because I mean earlier in the season we were kind of wondering why he wasn't shooting more than he was you know he was averaging like you know 3 to 4 uh three point attempts a game like somewhere in that range in the first couple months of the season I mean his volume is great now and he's not like I'm not like wincing when he shoots in terms of shot selection but man he just I, he's he's in a funk right now and I, there, there's really no other way to diagnose it other than he just has to keep shooting and hope it changes
2: yep yep
3: um you know,
2: Bertans, I don't really want to talk about him too much. Like he's doing the thing he was asked to do, which is going and shooting. And if he's not going to hit, they pull him, they give him like 10 to 15 minutes a game and he's either going to help a lot or he's not going to help at all. And I'm, I am impressed at his negative 21 in 13 minutes. That's really, that's really special. Well, before um,
3: we move off Bertans, I have to just say like, I'm seeing a lot on my timeline and in your timeline and seeing a lot of people being like, why isn't Berton's playing more? And I'm like, guys, he's shooting 18% from three in in March. Like, I don't, I don't know what you're seeing. That's that's seeing him earn more minutes than some of the other guys that are struggling ahead of him. Like, uh, like, let's be real. Like, let's be real here. Like, Uh, maybe like, it's not necessarily like he's getting just enough minutes and shots. Like, it's not like he's playing two minutes and getting, getting pulled. He's like, you said, he's playing about 12 to 15 minutes a night in March. Uh, and he's, he's not doing anything. He's had three zero point games in in the month of March. Like I don't people clamoring for more for him. I'm not, I'm just not seeing where he's earned that. Uh,
2: you want to know why I
3: know why? What? People are tired of the next guy we're going to talk about. <laughs>
2: yeah. Maxi Kleba, who closed all closed pre-All-Star break with two of the finest games he's had in two years. And has since come out, and oh, I need man. to pull up his box score list. Oh, because man. he is, and, and understand my broad-based opinion of Maxi, is that the Mavericks ask too much of him. Okay? Uh, and they do. They just ask too much of him especially I, now I, that
3: Prsingus has been traded yeah, that's gone yeah. up even more.
2: So following the All-Star break, he posted a 1 of 7 shooting performance with 3 rebounds and 4 assists against the Jazz in a loss. In the Golden State win, he was 1 of 5 uh for 2 points and 6 boards. Against the Lakers, he was 3 of 5 by far his best game, but he had 6 points and 7 rebounds. Against the Jazz the other night, he was three of eleven with eight points and six rebounds. And against the uh, the um, Knicks tonight, he played twenty seven minutes and had two points and uh, three rebounds. And just I'm going to do the math here on his threes post All Star break: one of six, O of two, so that's uh, one of eight, uh, one of nine, including the Lakers. Uh, then doing my math further is. Two of fifteen, so that's or I'm sorry, three of fifteen following the the Lakers uh, or the Jazz game, and he is now o four tonight. So he is three of nineteen from the three point line and following the All Star break. And Man. I've just got to tell you guys that is not something that's going to work. Maxi Cleva does a lot for this team, but when he is bad, he might as well not be on the court and and. They just have to keep going back to them because they don't have other bigs. And I, you know, this upsets some people who really, really like him. But I've seen enough Maxi over the years. This is what he looked like in the playoffs when he's uh, when he's not. He's either really good or really bad. There's not like an okay Maxi game anymore.
3: Yeah, especially offensively. I think in some of these post All Star break games, he's had some really nice defensive performances. Like he's still. I don't know if he's letting that. like considering how awful he's been on offense yeah i i it would be understandable if his defense was also struggling and i Mm -hmm. mean it's not it's not up to his standard i don't think you know there were a couple possessions tonight uh where guys were kind of just dribbling by him or through him uh without much resistance he had zero blocks and three fouls um but on the most part i think he's been he's been steady defensively there during this stretch but like it's very interesting in the NBA right now. Like he, his offense is so bad right now that he has to be basically like Tony Allen, Andre Iguodala from 2011 level of a defender, right? now. Oh, defenders know he's moving
2: the ball too, because <laughs> yeah. there was a end of third quarter shot that he just passed up. He, he wanted no part of it. And, he he made some nice passes tonight, which actually led. He had two assists, and I appreciate the willingness to move the ball. Bub, I need you to look at the rim. If you're, if you're a stretch five who doesn't stretch the floor, then
3: you don't really matter in the offense. Yeah, and you can't. He just, he he has to be like, for his for the way he's playing on offense, his defense has to be like a top ten NBA defender to compensate. Uh-huh. And that's just asking, like you said, again, asking too way too much from him from yeah. him. Like there's a certain point where your your solid defense, like <laughs> your solid defense can only matter so much when you play twenty seven minutes and score two points and don't make any shots. Like, you know, at the end of the day, the name of the game of basketball, you have to score points. And like the Mavericks played a pretty solid defensive game by the end of it against this Knicks team and they lost by 30. Yeah. Uh like you just you can't play offense as bad as he's playing and you know survive because uh, yep. he's just because you're, you're asking way too much from him to compensate on the defensive end. So that he has to figure it out too and unfortunately, I mean, you know with Brunson they can at least maybe shift the minutes over to Dinwiddie if he's struggling. I mean, if Maxie's struggling like you said, where do they go? Cause you know, the only other big really is Dwight. You know, the only thing they can do is maybe go small with, with Dorian at the, uh, Dorian at the five, or maybe Berton's at the five, but Berton's is struggling. You know, Marquise Chris, is their other big option that they seem to trust? And he's hurt with a knee injury. Uh, you know, Boban does not, he's like, he's done. Like I don't think he's playing meaningful basketball again for the Mavericks this season. Um, you know, and I, i'm sure people are clamoring for him but i think the way the mavericks play now under kid i think it's pretty clear he just doesn't feel he can contribute so uh-huh. they just don't have you gotta play to play drop you got to play yeah. drop yeah. right and that's yeah. not what they're doing so i don't know like again the maxi thing it's like you want to try to diagnose it and be like well he's doing this and he's doing that on offense but i mean he's getting spoon-fed open looks from three and he's he's not missing, he's not making him. And like you said, the big detriment right now is he's passing up looks. And I think no, there was no bigger indictment of the Mavericks realizing kind of his confidence is drip dropping when they kind of made the uh, garbage time subs at the end of this game and they kept Maxi in. And I have to imagine that was purely just to see if he can just see one basket, go in, see, see one ball go through the hoop just to try to break his funk and he still finished 0 for 7 which is unfortunate so mm-hmm. uh, they need him to get him rolling in the worst way or it's going to be very difficult for them you know they can survive i think regular season games like they've survived these these games after the all-star break but you know playoff wise <laughs> they they are not going to win many games in the playoffs if he's playing 27 minutes and scoring you know 2 to 5 points a game yep Yep.
2: And I'm, you know, this is not my normal lose my patience F this guy yeah. type stuff. This is just just sheer disappointment for him. Because I, I hate to see him in this situation because he's done so well over the long haul. It's just it's just disappointing. Well, I think we should pivot then. Um, as as anybody I'm guessing most of our regular listeners have caught the Mark Cuban episode that we did uh last night. But if you haven't, go listen to it. We really appreciate the, the, uh, the listen, um, wasn't really, you know, I think some people thought I was being sassy. Like Mark Cuban emailed us and he emailed me the day specifically after I had asked why he went on the radio station to talk about Luka Doncic's weight. And, uh, I liked what we did. I've listened to it like 30 times because transcription is horrible. And I don't understand how people do that for a living. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but did like do you have any immediate thoughts, you know, after it's it's had time to sit?
3: Um outside of like maybe things that you know, I've been you know, both of us are the kind of guys that when we do something we immediately think about how could we have done it better. Um and I don't want to get too much into that uh right now. Obviously, like there were some sure. questions that I wanted to ask that I didn't thinking back on it, you know, I had my notes, I was prepared. It was just sometimes when you only have thirty to thirty-five minutes you can spend that entire time on one topic or question. Uh, so we, to keep the conversation flowing, and to make sure we hit some of our talking points, you know, I didn't ask maybe some of the follow-ups that I wanted to, but, you know, and he did kind of repeat something cause he's, he's done some media appearances yeah. the last two weeks. Yeah. He did. He definitely repeated some talking points, which is understandable because we asked similar questions that he's been asked in the last two weeks. Um I think some of the illuminating answers that he gave were, you know, breaking down the Kristaps trade. And I think the way he talked about they built for a Rick team and now they've realized that for if they're going to have Jason Kidd as their head coach, they have to build a different way and them kind of admitting that Kristaps wasn't part of that plan. Yep. Um. I think that was the. You know, he's he's not going to outright say like, "Hey, we 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 flubbed it and Kristaps stunk." Like he just didn't. He couldn't handle it
2: because Kristaps didn't stink. Yeah. He didn't yeah, work. He
3: just, yeah. So I think he put that in the in the best way possible without you know trying to you know upset you know without dogging a former player because yeah. he's not going to want to do that. Um. So I think that that was interesting. I think. His answer, th- he he's said similar things before. I think the answers around, you know, what the front office is like now compared to before, I thought was interesting in terms of him kind of admitting that the way that they were doing business was getting a little stale. I mean, he didn't say that directly, but the, the context of what he said, you know, he kind of, they kind of needed to adapt yeah. uh, with a new approach because the way you build, you know, the way you build a team in the NBA right now is different than it, it was 10 15 years ago when the Mavericks were, you know, at the peak in terms of like one of the more forward thinking front offices. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, and then, you know, I thought he gave some new answers on the TV deal stuff, which, you know, we've been wondering about forever. Uh, he made a somewhat defend iron, not ironclad, but he said basically this stuff with the local TV market in Sinclair and Valley sports is going to, he didn't say what was going to happen, but he basically said that's going to be cleared up by next season. Uh, and if you read reports by, you know, uh, journalists and reporters that have been covering this stuff that lines up with their reporting that uh, Sinclair and Bally Sports are going to release their direct consumer app. So like if you just want to pay them 15, 20 bucks a month to get Bally Sports, uh, you can do that. So I have to imagine maybe that's what he's hinting at. Uh, and then I thought, you know. He talked a lot about the future of how to consume nba content and i thought that was interesting and i think it was a little bit of a relief to know that the nba is working on it and they understand i you know he kind of hinted at that they understand that the the traditional way of delivering uh nba content is not the way that it needs to go going forward so hopefully the NBA is going to be a bit more flexible because, you know, people, people aren't going to, the number of people getting cable is not going to go up ever again. Yep. Like it's, numbers only going down. So I think they realized that and him talking about that was, was
2: pretty. that was interesting. I, I almost like in a different point in time. And I mean, maybe that's the summer thing. We can actually talk to them about broader stuff because, um, One of the things I and I got in my mentions. This is not my thought. This is what people were telling to me. Where it's like, oh, it's really fun now that Mark is going on a media tour. That the Mavericks are playing well. I don't necessarily think that's the case. He, he, he. You know, he said to us, I. He went on about a four-minute soliloquy around the the eighteen-minute mark to the twenty-two to twenty-three-minute mark, where he was responding to my question about media appearances. And one of the things he said in there was like, well, I turned down 99% of media appearances. And I think that's true because everybody asks him because everyone is interested in a quote for him.
3: Yeah, and he's so open. And I mean, he, his email is not a secret. Like, you can no. email him whenever you want. Yes. And he's, he responds. Like, that's his thing.
2: Now, my kind of amusement today has centered around the fact that I, I, I suppose lots of people just assumed I would have him on and start, like, openly arguing with him. Um. I think I pressed him on the main area that I was very interested about. And frankly, I, I understand it. I just disagree where he asked us right in the middle of the podcast. If you guys woke up billionaires one day and owned a team, wouldn't you do what I'm doing? Whether if my answer is yes, that's still not really a point of favor in the argument about his involvement with the team. (laughs) And I, I probably should have pressed a little more there because I know a lot about basketball. I am still not. I I didn't go to school and learn. You know, I I don't have 20 years of front office NBA experience. I'm not an NBA coach. I am a fan who really loves this and tries to learn what I can. Which he equates himself to that a lot. And I suppose where I wish I and I maybe I will in in the future if we're ever able to talk to him is you know over the previous 10 years how much did his involvement. You know, play a role. I didn't press on that sort of stuff. i I sort of wish I would have. I know we weren't going to get into the specifics, but that's just something that i've I've kind of openly talked about because he sort of caught me, caught me off guard of that it because it's a good question. Um, but i I still think if your answer is, well, Kirk, what would you do and And that's I just don't really find that to be a super compelling point. Um, he and I exchanged a couple of messages this morning where he said, "You know I, I don't really think you disagree with me on that many things, and overall, I still think Mark Cuban is a a a net positive to this team i don't you know when i complain and i I, i've you know i wrote an article that linked to everything that he had said and done for 10 years and to this day i still have people saying oh you're just a hater and i I can't correct that that viewpoint you know
1: (laughs) yeah
3: i understand uh i think when he said what well, we should have followed up with when he was like, you know, when, when, if you, if this happened to you, if you woke up and you own the team and you're a billionaires, would you change? And the, and the answer is, is, you know, probably not, but that doesn't make it right. Right. Like, right. You should be better. Like when you get, when you have this role, you should be better than us. Like, you know, you have a, a, a greater responsibility now and like maybe we wouldn't change, but if the criticisms would still be valid. Like even if we still had the same passion that he has. And and it's clear that like, it's because like, he just, he likes to do it and he wants to do it and he doesn't want to change. And, you know, that's been a big part of him. You know, he, he wears t-shirt, t-shirts to board meetings and like, you know, he's been, he's yeah. wanted to stay true to himself because there was a period of time where he, you know, he was not rich. Like he was yeah. not born into it. I appreciate wealth. that. Yeah. But also at a certain point you, You just have to be better than the average fan. And I know you don't want to be because you want to be the average fan, but you're not. You're the billionaire owner of a well and he he addressed that. He's like, look,
2: I know I can't do certain things anymore. And we all come to that conclusion at a certain point in time. Like I found the interview very good. I I think we we got a fair amount of positive stuff. The sort of, you know, the sort of negative reviews, it came in the sense of, I wish you would have pushed him further, which I am very open to uh, we were, you know, and you are a trained journalist. I am a, 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 a argumentative idiot at times. And so I was, I'll just admit, I was like nervous. Like I, I don't really <laughs> get nervous, but I was still nervous because it's like, I'm, it's not talking basketball, the buddy, it's asking questions to someone who I think he, he, he's like, well, you love basketball. I love basketball. We should be able to talk about basketball, but you know, it, it's still a little bit nerve wracking. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I understand. I mean, when I first, I mean, I haven't done, I mean, I haven't been in a ton of Cuban scrums cause you know, I haven't been to as many games as uh, I probably should have when I was trying to do this for real. Um, but like the first time it was definitely like intimidating. I remember going to, uh, I think the first like Mavericks training camp I covered was like 2012, no, t- like 2012. Yeah. Um, something like that and yeah you know it's it was way different than like going into a high school locker room or you know a a high school football field after a game and you're taught you know you're going from talking to 16 year old football you know high school kids to you know professional athletes and and get you know it's different and yeah like the you know it's you you'd ever you know you being nervous it's totally cool like uh, everyone yeah goes through that
2: Uh, I, i think a lot of people would be kind of amused by that because i'm generally not nervous and like my general take upon this was i have never once sought out maverick approval for what we do we are very friendly with their media office they're a wonderful wonderful press relations team we have never asked for a coach a player any of that because it's just not been of interest to me but when the owner emails you at a certain point, I'd be a moron to say no, because I thought we had a productive conversation. I still sort of disagree. But eventually, if the Mavericks continue on a trail where it feels good, I'm going to move past some of this stuff. I had a person contact me today who's basically like, you seem so bitter about this stuff. You're bitter about Mark Cuban. And I've been thinking about it because, guys, we watched what they did after Dirk and it was failure after failure after failure. And I have a hard time with that is, is the shortest way to say it.
3: Yeah. And it's, I, this was a question I wanted to follow up on because I asked him because I thought, because the more I think about this, the more interesting it is to me about like how building a team around Luca must be so weird because he's so young and, and so good. And usually there's more of a linear curve. And basically the only guys to be, this good this early like to go from rookie year to title contender from one year to the next like in terms of like quality of players I mean it feels like the list is basically like LeBron or you know maybe like Wilt Chamberlain or Kareem like it's a very very short list like even Jordan you know Jordan needed more than a couple of years and and he came into the league older than Luka did so I mean it's just different um and he brought that up. He was like, you know, we kind of look at the timeline like, well, when did Jordan win? When did when did these other great, you know, the players that Luka's is projecting to uh, be like, when did they win their first title? And that makes sense because you don't want to you don't want to make decisions hastily because and, and be impatient and then doom the next five to six years. But at the same time, like, you know, it's a different era now, like when Michael Jordan wasn't never going to leave the bulls. If you know, like that wasn't what players did back then, Uh, you know, it's different now. Like we've just watched how many all NBA level guys change teams before their contracts were up on a whim, like in the last five years, like it's just a different league now and it's a different culture. So I was curious, I should have followed up with that. Like, does, is there more pressure now considering the way the league is going with the way these star players are kind of dictating the terms Uh, of where they want to play and when they want to play uh, with, you know, with fellow superstar teammates. And we didn't get into that, but I thought his answer, you know, he kind of admitted the 2019 free agency happened the way it did because they were not anticipating Luca to be an MVP candidate in year two. Yeah. Which completely fair. Um,
2: The end, they were, and that's, you know, they were building for Giannis. Um. And it was a mistake at the time, though I don't think any of us would have predicted Luka year two. And I think that's kind of a a healthy middle ground we can come to. I think where you and I get frustrated is that superstar intentions these days are so hard to suss out where Luka clearly loves winning. He loves basketball. I think it's a mistake to assume he loves Dallas. That's just me. And so as a result, a lot of where our kind of cynicism over the past several years stems from is looking at the NBA as a whole, looking at how, you know, kind of the window of time, because you never have as long as you think you do in professional sports happens. Like, look at the Warriors, you know, and so it's. It is what it is. I thought, you know, I'm I'm glad we had like like the people enjoyed it. Maybe we will attempt to reach out to him again. Maybe we will talk to the Mavericks a little more. I don't know. I I it's not that I I don't it's I've never wanted to be put in the position because one of the things is much harder to do. And this is another reason why I'm sure he came on is it's really it's harder to criticize someone once you know them. Once you talk to them every day, it's harder to criticize them. That's why the best journalists are the ones that can, you know, go get that interview and then write a scathing column about someone they just had a friendly chat with. Because sometimes you have to speak – speak truth of power is such a bullshit phrase when we're talking about sports. But sometimes you have to say something that might not – you know, that might result in coming at a cost. And, you know, could we have – Uh, I think it went great. And I think, but at the same time, I also think we could have done a a couple of things different. I'm real. I am glad we did it though. What do you think?
3: Yeah, I am too. And I mean, I don't, you know, people have to realize that if we came onto that podcast and interview with him and we went after him in a way that reflects some of our more heated moments on this podcast or on Twitter or writing like that's just not productive. Cause he just no. goes, okay guys, I'm, I'm leaving. Like right. he, he gets hundreds of like thousands he, upon thousands of those messages every day in his, in all of his social media feeds and his email inbox. There's no, yeah, like, there's no value so, in it. Right. So you have to meet someone halfway and then you have to be decent. To, yeah. You know, just, you, you're not, I, I you're think just, where people,
2: people misunderstand sort of my, like, My social media presence and my real life presence is not very different, but it's how you read me in tone. I talk the same way I type, but if you read me as anything other than mirthful, you probably think I'm this unrepentant asshole all the time. And I'm an asshole about 40% of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I like, you know, I'm a happy guy. I'm friendly. I like people. And you know cuban is too like i think he was uh, somebody said i think cuban was expecting kind of harder questions from you guys and it's like what's the first time we talked to him you don't go out <laughs> like i don't yeah. want to come in gums a blazing and be like what about this horrendous mistake you know?
3: yeah and plus you know and then maybe if he does come on again you know we can maybe schedule it so that it's not in the evening and you know taking away from his the, his family time like maybe you know that's He had a one of his kids' basketball games to go to, so we had we couldn't just keep chatting for like an hour and a half or two hours. So like you just you have to make concessions when you're working within that limited time frame. And the fact that he gave us the time at all is, you know, he didn't need to do that, and he especially didn't need to do it at seven o'clock or seventeen at night. So agree more. Yeah, so you know, you know, it's a balance.
2: No, and and it's the sort of thing to where. It was more than just us talking to the owner because the owner gave us a lot of things that we're talking about a day later. And he very easily could have fed us some lines, patted me on the head. And instead he answered my question in a way that he earnestly believes that he should be the spokesperson for the Dallas Mavericks. I don't agree, but everything else he gave us was really, I've been, we've been talking about it for a full day. And I think that's pretty cool.
3: Yeah. And I mean, that's part of his, you know, part of his strategy he <laughs> that's why he does it because he's got us talking about his team more than you know he, that you know it's all part of the game man
2: also before we go i've gotten six tweets in the past half hour that have some variation of the dallas Mavericks oh and one since mark cuban went on the Mavs Moneyball podcast <laughs> which come yeah. on Trackless we didn't staff. do this <laughs> <laughs> no
3: but it's if they lose if they go on like a two of seven stretch that uh, will I'll be take... our fault yeah, man yeah oh well well kind there's gonna scared. be some Schedule's not getting easier, too. Which is no, it's not.
2: We have a fun week ahead, but it's good basketball. Looking forward yeah. to it. Um, yeah. We have some really good content coming at mazmoneyball.com. We have uh, a recap is up probably right now. We got our stats post, and then one of our uh, occasional writers uh, turned in a piece today that I'm really looking forward to, so be sure to check that out. Um, David Trink is his name, and he wrote a fun piece. So, guys, this has been Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow, and we will talk to you...